We exist to help all people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. If you're part of our church, you'll know that there's five key areas that are fundamental to who we are as a church. Let's talk about gospel multiplication. We take Jesus' command seriously when he calls us to be disciples who make disciples. In order to achieve this, we're committed to multiplication of leaders, campuses, and community groups, creating opportunities for deep discipleship to happen. We pray that the Lord uses our efforts to help all people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. By multiplication of leaders, we mean to equip men and women and children to use their gifts to build the church and to reach the world for Jesus. By multiplication of community groups, we mean a place to belong and be loved and loved by others, a place to grow and become like Jesus. By multiplication of churches and campuses, we mean to plant campuses and churches all throughout the Lower Mainland and overseas through our strategic global partners. Our dream would be to plant a church or campus every two to three years. Hi everybody, Mark's my name, we're glad you're here. Uh, this is kickoff uh, Sunday, another year that we look into the future as much as we can and get to uh, ask Jesus for direction. Some of you are new to our church, so today will be kind of a time you can answer some of the questions of where you think this church is going and if you want to be involved in that. Now, that does not mean that we're gonna look, because we have some new things, we're gonna throw all the old ideas out and what we're doing, but rather, we wanted to focus in on at least five values, and so our elders and pastors have agreed upon these five focuses for the year. Those are gospel multiplication, Jesus' presence, spiritual formation, Jesus' mission, and extravagant generosity. Our mission statement is still the same, to help everyone become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And today I want to talk about our first value and what we need to bolster, and that is gospel multiplication. God wants to work in and through us so that more people decide to follow Him and become like Him. We want to multiply the number and the impact of our small groups, our campuses, and our personal services. One example of this focus is how we started Town Center as a campus, as well as Rail City as a campus is going to be started this fall. And right now I've, got, I've asked Cam, Pastor Cam Daly, our pastor there, to say a few things to you and how we can think and pray about how we're doing, uh, going into Port Moody and starting that church. Hey everyone, we're so excited to announce that Rail City will be launching this September at Moody Middle School. This will be our first official service and it's going to be a party, a celebration of what God has done in and through CA Church. If you came here with kids, there's gonna be bouncy houses and games. There's gonna be activities and inflatables for young adults and the young at heart. Delicious cotton candy from Petite Puff, pizza from Mama Said Food Truck, uh, and also coffee from Cafe Espresso Bar, as well as a few other surprises. If you live in the city, you are invited. If you wanna be part of what we're doing here, you're also welcome. But if you belong to CA Church and you just wanna come celebrate with us, you are also invited. Come join us September 19th, 10 a.m. to 12.30 as we celebrate this momentous moment in CA Church's history. Some of you as new folks may, folks may not have uh, know this, that I lead missions trips to Israel. Amazing trip, by the way. We hope to get back to that as soon as we can. Of all the stops in Israel, this one is one of my favorites because of the amazing experience it is. I refer to when Jesus and his disciples encountered the demoniac 
uh, in Mark chapter 4 and 5. Now let's start a little bit back. Genesis, when God came to Abraham and said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. to All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God chose Abraham because Abraham didn't just bless himself. He got God's blessing and gave it to others. And the kingdom of God became a reality because Abraham obeyed God and blessed others. Now, there have been big questions on how the kingdom of God was to break in. I get that. But one thing everybody agreed upon, that the kingdom of God was for them. It was going to be good news for them. And it was for the daughters and sons of Abraham and the people of God, now the church. Because many of us, uh, but I should say, but some people in the church believe that we are the only people that God is blessing. Now, you see, when Jesus showed up, his message was very different than what, he, what some thought it should be. He taught on love and to be at peace and how to forgive people. Most people thought the mess Messiah that was coming was going to bring a revolt and war against Romans. Large crowds of people often showed up when Jesus taught in, in Galilee, which became kind of his home territory. We're told that at one time a crowd gathered around Jesus and it was so big that he actually got in a boat and sat in a boat so he could get better uh, acoustics and the people over on the, on the beach. And uh, one day when he did that, at the end of his teaching time, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, let us go to the other side. Now, if you were Jewish, that's crazy talk. No one ever goes in Jesus' day to the other side. It was actually a technical term. It's not talking here about geography. He's referring here to the wayward group of people and their foreign gods and paganism. This was an anti-God place that Jesus wanted to take his disciples to. And no one did that kind of stuff. So on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, it was used in Jesus' day to refer to the region called the Decapolis. It's a Greek word, Deca, ten cities. The Alexander the Great started these cities to draw the Jewish nation away from the worship of, of Yahweh and into Hellenism with all of its idolatry and twisted sexuality and godlessness. The area was filled with pagan temples and they can be excavated and they are being excavated today. And there are just amazing splendor in these, in these buildings. The ruins of some of them can be seen and are amazing. This is an area that even was seen as enemy territory. This is where pagan people lived. This is where the Jewish rabbinic tradition in Jesus' day was, said that Israel was first occupying this holy land and they were given a promise in Joshua chapter 3, verse 10. God will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. God said, I will drive out these seven nations. And they called them the cast out ones because they were evil. Anyone know about an animal that is regarded as, as mostly unclean in Israel and is repulsive to Israel? Yes, pigs. One of the Canaanite religions believed that pigs were sacred and they used them in their worship, uh, ritual worship. The Decapolis on the other side was also a center of Roman power. One of the guides told me that they believed that the Roman 10th Legion, 6,000 soldiers, were in this city often. By the way, the symbol of the Roman Legion is a boar's head, a pig's head. The Jews regarded the other side as a place where Satan lived. It was dark and evil. It was oppressive, demonic. Nobody goes to the other side, especially rabbis. But one day after Jesus finished a day of ministry, he casually said, let's go to the other side. 
the disciples, the, the disciples must have thought, what is he thinking? Doesn't he know that the kingdom is on our side? Not that side. It's almost like he thinks and knows the other side is, is a group of people he wants to be involved in. It's almost like Jesus is thinking the other side is his side. It's almost like he thinks he belongs, everything belongs to him. And, and through him, everyone is going to be blessed, even the seven nations. Our first life principle today is this. Jesus loves all people, not just those who we call our people. Jesus says, hey guys, let's get in a boat, go for a little ride. So they do. They're obedient. They get in the boat, but they are not liking this. They're not happy campers. They're irritated. They're scared out of their wits because... They know what's coming. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 37. It says, a, fur a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we drowned? And he said, Not really, because I know what's, what, what, what we're doing here. The huge storm that came up while they were crossing on the other side was not surprising to anybody because they were not supposed to be on this side of, the, of that ministry area. The disciples asked, you don't care about us, Jesus? We almost died here. And Jesus said, no, he was, he was confronting the evil of his day. He didn't run and hide. As well as he expected spiritual opposition, he knew there was going to be a spiritual battle on here. And the disciples needed to learn this lesson. Many Christians do not believe that we are in a, ba a battle with evil. When this angry storm comes up, notice there's no surprise to the disciples. There's no surprise to Jesus. And even though he is asleep in the boat, he is ready for the enemy. Notice he rebukes the wind and speaks to the sea in, in verse 39. He's rebuking the spirits behind the wind and the storm, the evil spirits, demons. This is a spiritual time of confrontation and the, and the wind stops and the waves die down at Jesus' word. The disciples were absolutely terrified, scared. Before they were terrified at the storm. Now they think, who is this man? Well, in verse 41, he's God over all nature. This leads us to our second life principle, which is Jesus asks us to go with him to the other side to enter chaos of evil. He wants to partner with us in reaching all people, even the real bad ones. Now notice Mark chapter 5, they land on the other side and they're not seeing huge crowds of people. In fact, there's only one demon-possessed dude. No crowds, just this guy. And in respect to what we we're reading, turn to Mark chapter 5 for me and stand. We are going to read Mark 5, 1 to 8, please. When they, that being the disciples and Jesus, crossed the lake of the region to the Gerasenes, when Jesus got out of the boat, the man with an, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs and met him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him with, any, with anything, not even with chains. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Then he saw Jesus from a distance and he ran and he fell at Jesus' knees in front of him. He shouted at, at the top of his voice, what do you know want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Lord, continue to teach us.
what this means and apply it to our lives in your name. Amen. So on Mark 5, they land on the other side. They're having great huge crowds on the east side, or on the Jewish side, but only one guy on this side. And Mark 5, 1 to 8, it explains the situation this person is in. He's, he's con completely controlled, demon-possessed. And so he's despised. He's thrown out of his own community. They tried to bind him but with chains, and he even breaks chains. Uh, he, he, oh, he, he cries out all the time, night and day, and he cuts himself with rocks. And everybody there wants rid of him. This guy's living by himself in the midst of a graveyard. He's strong, he's naked, he is a legion, he is bloody, he is living in death. That's the reception Jesus got. Jesus says to the evil spirit within him, what is your name in Mark 5, 9? And the response is, legion, for we are many. Now, legion is a loaded word because in that territory there has been a legion of Romans, foreign soldiers in this city. That word is a reminder that the power of Jesus is up against even political powers, spiritual powers, and community powers in the city because they were all afraid of Jesus. And the, diamond, and the demons asked to be sent into a, per, a herd of animals. Anybody remember what animals they were asked to be sent into? Pigs. Now, again, this is some kind of a loaded story using this because the garrison of Romans posted there, the key animal to them was pigs, and now Jesus is killing pigs. And the herd of 2,000 rushed down to the lake and were drowned. Seems like Jesus is even picking a fight. Pigs were sacred to some Romans and to this, and, and their, their symbol of power. It's kind of like a bad spiritual contest that's going on here, and the pigs lose. This is a very clear comment about the authority of Jesus over Rome. Now, they don't say, wow, tell me more of these people on that side. They beg Jesus to leave. They're scared of him. And so they beg him to leave. And he says, okay, I'll go. Many were afraid of the supernatural uh, power of God. And many in our day even don't want to be around anything to do with that because the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's against living in some other people's lives. They don't want this. It's very interesting, you know, the rest of the story. As this guy starts getting back into the boat thinking he will leave with Jesus, Jesus says no. Now, this, this is weird. He, he falls in G, before Jesus on his knees and he says, I, I, I want to come with you. I, I li I've lived in darkness all my life. My life has been destroyed by this. I, I want to be with you. I want to learn from you and be one of your followers. And up till now, Jesus has been saying to people, follow me, follow me. And this time he says, no, no. It's always bo bothered me. But the reason he said no to that was so he could say yes to him going home and telling his story so all that will listen. Mark 5, starting in verse 19, Jesus told him, but go home, tell your family and to all who will listen to you how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. There's another life principle here. Jesus is saying to him and saying to us, tell your story. 
Imagine this man's feelings when the rowboat gets pushed off and he says to himself, I can disobey or I can do what I'm told and I think I want to do what I'm told. Jesus saved my life. He's asked me to tell others my story. I'm going to do just that. I can do that? Folks, he wasn't trained. He didn't have half of the things that we have. Um, it, the rest of the story is amazing because later Jesus came back to the Decapolis in Mark chapter 7, verse 31 to 33, and it says, a few people met him on the beach. In Mark chapter 8, verse 1, it says, a large crowd. Something's happening. Something's changing on the other side over there. Nobody uh, expected it, and, but something's changing. What was it? The guy was telling his story. And the people were receptive to that. They weren't receptive. They were scared of Jesus. But he, they knew of this guy. They knew how everything went wrong with him. And they knew the good news was a life changer for him. And maybe it could be for them. The gospel multiplies itself in people's lives. One guy told a story that, that Jesus uh, did for him. And it changes the whole side of an area. It changed spiritual climate of, those, of the many people that live there. Get this. A lot of times people love to argue with us about religion and philosophy and everything else. But really what we need to do is tell our story. What has Jesus done for us? And what is Jesus doing for us? It's an interesting thing that can happen. One man could reach people, this many people, and point them to Jesus. And he wasn't trained, none of that. He simply followed the Lord and I believe must have been spirit-filled for the Holy Spirit to work in and through this man. Wow. There's another point I want you to see. Jesus wanted his disciples to know the good news. The gospel is coming, and it's coming for everyone. He makes real sure of this, that his disciples know this, and he, what he does is he does a miracle. In Mark chapter 8, when Jesus uh, had returned, his disciples with, on, on the other side, uh, there was a crowd of 4,000 people that gathered together and listened to him, and Jesus later had compassion on them. He said, uh, they've already been with me three days, Jesus said, and nothing, they have nothing to eat. Now, back up. Go to Mark chapter 6. There's a miracle down there. That's the miracle of the 5,000. And that 5,000 was on the Israel side of the Jordan River. There's where the Israelite people live. In Mark chapter 6, the disciples came to Jesus after the first day and said, they initiated a concern. We need to pay or uh, feed all these people. And Jesus said, what do you got? Well, we got some fish, we got some buns. Okay, well, give them to me. Jesus multiplied that, and there was a miracle going on. Remember, they were after they were satisfied, they picked up 12 baskets full of pieces. This is all about Judaism, the 12 ba baskets because of the 12 disciples, because of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel. When an Israel hears that, immediately he understands that 12 deal. Well, what's going on, though, on the other side? The other side... 4,000 people showed up. The new kingdom was breaking in on the Jewish side, but now it's also breaking in on the other side. And after the Jews had their miracle with Jesus, the same thing had happened on the other side with Gentile people. Now, in Mark chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus is on the other side. This time, the pagans... Our interest, our, our, he is speaking to the pagans. Jesus waits for three days, and none of the disciples came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, uh, are, These people are getting hungry. 
This time, he teaches one day and the disciples don't say anything. They teaches a second day and they still don't say anything. He teaches a third day. His disciples still don't say anything. They didn't feed the crowd. Why not? Get this. Because these people are on the other side. The disciples themselves think it's not our job to feed these pagans. We feed the people on the Jewish side, the good people. It's not our job to feed to, to feed people on that side, so let them stay hungry. Many churches have this attitude. All of our programming goes to money for ourselves, not to reach pagans. This attitude is killing the gospel multiplication that is happening. Lost people stay lost and demonized because people won't have compassion on people from the wrong side. Jesus says, I care for them. I, I will die for them. Sad, really. After the disciples picked up seven baskets of broken pieces of fish and, and leavened bread. And then seven. Remember the cast out ones? How many? Seven. God is saying, I want to feed and draw upon the, my miracle that everyone on the other side knows me as well as this side. They're mine. I want to feed them and care for them. The good news is coming for the 12 tribes. Yep, they're mine. Jesus is saying, I, am, I want to feed the Jewish people and draw them to myself. 12 baskets left over, all of that. But guess what? For the 4,000, there were seven baskets left over. What's in keeping with this way, it's just another way of Jesus saying, I love them all. The gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus is good news, and it's good news for everybody. It's good news for this side, and it's good news for the other side, because the truth is Jesus is Lord of both sides. One quick observation. There's a Greek term used, there's two different Greek terms used for basket. Uh, when the, the 12 baskets of leftovers, the Jewish side, were fed. That's a round basket that you, you hold under your arm like this and it goes to a point on the other end and that, that, that's the type of basket. When the term used for 4,000 were fed, it, or their, the basket was a big honking basket with handles on it. The point is, I think it's another little glimpse of, of giving people that would have no background, they need handles to understand who Jesus is and what's going on with them. They're seeking but they, they need to get some help. The others, they don't, they know help. They, they, they need, don't need help at all. They're fine. But some people who don't know the, some of the spiritual things, it's all new to them. We need to give them handles so they will get it. Now let's talk about you and me. Put in the form of a question, if you offer to tell people about Jesus, um, someone may have a spiritual conversation with you and discuss that. You may ask somebody if they might want to come to a service in the church or your small group. But really, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? Somebody might say no. Somebody might say, I don't think so, and I don't like you talking to me about that. Some say, I just pass, we're not interested. A lot of times people are interested, but a lot of times they're not interested. They say no. Now here's the question. Are you and I gonna let fear that someone will say no stop us from telling our story? We follow a rabbi who went to the other side and was crucified for it. His followers were tortured, imprisoned, uh, impoverished, and killed for what they 
stood up for later. And we might get a little embarrassed that someone might say no, and that will stop us. Folks, I think we need to rethink this. Where's the other side for you? In fact, maybe who's on the other side for you? When I was a kid, I grew up in the heart of Saskatchewan. And if you had to pick out one of the provinces that seemed the most far out, irreligious, hedonistic, drug-infested places, rather than Saskatchewan, it probably would be BC. And all of the cities of BC, which one of the ones be, would be most weird, spiritual, occultic? Probably Vancouver. I remember an encounter with Jesus when I was praying one day because I was sad that I was leaving a church and I didn't know about my kids and all the rest. He asked me if I will, would appreciate and follow what's, what the main points are in this message, which is the other side needs help. Jesus calls us to help the other side. Am I gonna be afraid and not go? to the other side because it may not work or I may not be convenient, it may not be convenient for me. Where's the other side for you? And who's on the other side for you? Lord, we need your direction in this. First, we need to follow you. You led us to the other side. And you are with us when we're on the other side. And we pray that you would continue to lead us boldly and courageously to tell our story. Give us courage. Give us unction of the Spirit that we would say what needs to be said graciously, kindly, gently. But we need to go to the other side and tell people how much you've done for us. And we pray you would fill us with an evangelistic fervor again that many would be saved because of us and your work in us. We humble ourselves. We experience uh, your presence. And we, we pray that you will lead us in doing this. In your name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you, folks.